My name is Angela Cox and I am the Mindset Mentor and this is the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. Now my aim is to discover and share the secrets of success. You'll hear engaging and uplifting interviews with business leaders at the top of their game, all primed to deliver bucketfuls of value and inspiration. We'll bring practical tips success strategies and golden nuggets of motivation to help you unleash your absolute potential. Now please do like, share and leave a review if you love this podcast. It really does help others to find us. Thanks for listening and let's jump in now and meet this week's fabulous guest. So my guest today is the talented Ursula Henry. Now, Ursula has had a long career in financial services, holding roles in the Royal Bank of Scotland before moving to Nationwide, which is where we first met. She immediately stood out to me as having that something special. Today, she directs operations at the Banking Standards Board and also enjoys a role as governor for the Barbara Speak Schools of Performing Arts. I can't wait to hear more. Ursula, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And it's a real pleasure to be um, invited to be part of the podcast. So thank you. Oh, thank you. And we always start the podcast with what I call the shake your pom-poms moment. And this is an opportunity for you, Ursula, to share your three proudest moments. So thinking about that, what would they be? So I think my first one would have to be um, marrying my husband Jamal so you know having that sort of dream wedding and leading into that is then being a mum to our three children so Jim who turns 18 next week my son Kaifer who's 17 and Tiger our daughter who's 14. When I think about my second proudest moment and this is actually more recent to me and it was actually becoming a mental health first aider I found the course extremely beneficial lots of from a personal perspective but also just in the point of view of being able to help others and actually last year I was able to help three very dear friends of mine um, who were actually going through an extremely difficult time and just to have that technical knowledge to guide and support them and to the point where actually last year I also supported a stranger who had mental health issues in need of professional support so I wouldn't have been able to sort of maybe do that to the level that I did if I didn't have the um, qualification in becoming the first aid leader. Mm, That's amazing. No and thank you and it's something that I definitely recommend others look into. My third proudest moment and this again is well when I say recent and sort of six years ago was being selected to go on an external secondment and so I was selected out from Nationwide to be part of a team setting up a new industry body, which is called the Banking Standards Board, also known as the BSB. And the BSB was established to promote high standards of behaviour and competence across the UK banks and building societies. Now, as a director of BSB, I'm extremely proud to be part of the team working with such wonderful colleagues, board members and many of our member firms, too. 
I love that there's a real mix there in your proudest moments. So one that's very much linked to family and home and anybody who could see you right now would not believe that you have children at the age of 18 and 17. And then the fact that, you know, you have one that is related to work and I know that career is very important to you and, and you've really flourished in your career. But I love the fact that there's one about purpose in there as well and that linking into mental health. So you mentioned that you helped a stranger. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, I had just come out of Bank Tube Station and I was walking to the office and I was walking by the big monument, so where the big junction is from Bank to Monument at the top of King William Street. And I just saw this guy walking across the road. He sort of had a go at one of the motorcyclists that had stopped to let pedestrians cross the road. And I thought, this guy doesn't look right. And I noticed he was sort of in shorts and a vest and had a cut on his knee. So I sort of observed him and I thought, he didn't look to me very well. And what I then did is I sort of stood by the boots at Monument and just observed him. And what he was actually doing was sort of doing circles, just crossing the different junctions. Now, to me, that didn't seem normal. So I decided to call for support utilising 111. And I was, as a mental health first aider, you can declare that you're that. So they already know that you have done some form of assessments. Now, I didn't actually feel comfortable in approaching the individual, but in a matter of, I'd say, minutes, and this is credit to sort of the City of London Police and the ambulance, they were on the scene and were able to um, support the gentleman. Now, it's, you know, I assume others would have, have done the same. So maybe that's why the response was so quick. But just knowing that that individual could get some help and I was able to support from a distance mm. made me feel quite proud. Yeah, absolutely. You should be too. And it's that that training it allows you to identify the behaviours. So it's invaluable, isn't it? Not only in the work environment, but also outside of that too. So thank you for sharing that with us. Now, obviously, you've just told us a little bit about the Banking Standards Board, but it'd be lovely to hear more about your career to date and, and what's brought you to, to being the director for the Banking Standards Board, if you, if you don't mind sharing. No, of course. And I think for me, it was a case of why why banking? Because I think by the time I was sort of 17 years old, I had worked in five different industries. And that was retail, hospitality, sports, beauty and financial services. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I know, right? I was a busy as a busy girl, so to speak, while balancing sort of doing GCSEs, which I don't think I'd be able to do them these days, um, seeing my children go through them the last two years. So for me, I actually then started my career in financial services and when I was 16 years old and it was whilst I was studying, I worked as a cashier at the Alliance in Leicester. And for those of you that don't know, it was a British bank and a former building society, but it was taken over by Santander. And I think just through working from the bank, I literally have started at the bottom and worked my way up. So I spent many years in retail banking. I did that at the Royal Bank of Scotland. So I moved from our um, Alliance in Leicester to the Royal Bank of Scotland, managed their city location and then became an area manager of the branches at the RBS too so really understood what it was like to sort of be in the branches but then also be able to lead those teams and I think I suppose it's not one of my proudest moments but something to say is just the team that I had back then was just so diverse of people that we really were sort of that high performing team because you were creating a diverse team bringing in diverse thought and it really worked and I'm, I mean, I'm talking about something that happened 
than sort of 15 to 17 years ago. But after leaving the Royal Bank of Scotland, I decided that I wanted to go back to sort of working in a mutual organisation. And that's when I decided to go and work for the Nationwide Building Society. And I joined Nationwide again in retail. But after two years at Nationwide, I then went into an operational role. So became a senior sort of change manager, implementing change for retail customers but in head office and after doing that for a bit I thought okay I've done retail I've done operations I now need to understand sort of transformational change and it was at that point I became a senior manager in transformation working as an inception manager sort of incepting different programs and that's when you and I met working <laughs> on one of the largest programs I think at its time yes the PPI the PPI <laughs> That's right. I always say that the PPI um, project that I was brought in to work on alongside you was my retribution for selling loans with PPI back in my early days in Black Horse Finance. So coming in and, and looking at those processes and making them better for customers was what I needed to do um, mm. for all of those sales that I made as, as a 23-year-old. And um, you were an excellent project manager oh, um, you're kind, at that time. You're yeah, you were. <laughs> Now, I'm interested to know, because you've had amazing success, I'm interested to know what's been the driver behind that that has kind of contributed to where you are today. I think for me, it was very much my role models were my parents. And I think that's the same for my brother as well. So and they were successful in their own right. My father was self-employed, so was able to show us sort of the discipline that's needed, the entrepreneurial skills that he acquired and the need to sort of travel and go where the work was at the time. And this is sort of back in sort of the 80s, 90s. And my mother was sort of breaking the way because she was a bank manager. And I remember seeing a picture as a small child of my mum. And she worked for one of the large, one of the top four banks. And there's a picture of her. And we still have this picture. And she's sort of like the only woman. And there's just her in the middle with all these men at each side of her. And I remember sort of looking at that as a child and then as a teenager and then starting to work in the industry thinking, well, she was sort of leading the way back then. And it sort of gave me, I suppose, that determination and drive to want to succeed. So I then clearly took a role in banking and my brother then took the same path that my father took. So it just goes to show, I think our, our biggest drivers were our parents starting off our career. And then naturally, as you then become parents, it sort of turns on you to want to sort of do your children proud. So you continue to try and overcome the barriers and want to succeed. I love that your mum was that strong role model because mm. I guess, you know, when we look back to, to that era, a lot of mums were stay-at-home mums as opposed to working mums and, and particularly in successful roles like your mum held. So, I mean, what an amazing start for you to be to be observing that. And then when you look at your own children now and the fact that they have you as a role model, what is it that you think you teach them? So I think for me, it's very much through, there is an element of sacrifice, there is hard work and there is risk taking. You know, I think about when I decided to sort of work, when I was going into operations, we live in West London and I was commuting every day to Swindon. And my, I mean, at the time, Tiger then would have been about six years old. Yeah, five to six years old. And I remember sort of her saying to me, sort of at bedtime, okay, night, mummy, see you tomorrow night, because I wouldn't then see her in yeah. the morning. And that's sort of 
that sacrifice of sort of doing that commute. And I know there are many of us that do travel a lot with our work, but I suppose there's that element as being sort of, well, I I suppose a mum and a dad where you just have that element of guilt and you think, am I doing the right thing by not being with them? And I'm definitely learning what it's like to be with them in being in lockdown, I must say, because um, we're together sort of 24 hours a day now and we're all getting along, which is good. Um, But no, and I think that's what it is. And I I think for me, it, it is about taking risks. I mean, I remember when I sort of said to my dad that I was, I'm going to sort of leave Nationwide, who is a founder of the Banking Standards Board, and go and work for this company that we don't know if it's going to be here in a few years' time. It's a new company. It's a new body in the city. And he was sort of saying, well, what are you doing? Stay at Nationwide. It's been here for a long time. It's stable. It's safe. safe. And Yes, and it is. And, it, you know, it's a brilliant organisation. It was a brilliant organisation and still is to work for. But for me, it was very much about, no, it was time for me to come back to the city. It was time for me to take that risk. And, and I'm really sort of grateful because hindsight is a fine thing because actually being able to be around for the boys going through their GCSEs and I didn't anticipate how difficult that would be from a mental health perspective as well. I'm just really grateful that I was able to sort of be around and work for an organisation that gave me the flexibility as a senior Mm. leader, but also a mother to be able to be at home at least three days sort of a week when they came back from school to give them that support and not having to do sort of work and revision sort of at eight nine o'clock at night we were able to sort of do it at five six o'clock where you know everyone's not too tired at that stage that flexibility makes such a difference when Absolutely. you're a parent <laughs> it does now, you, you talk about sacrifices in there in terms of you know what you're helping your children to understand needs to happen I'm interested in whether you've experienced adversity along the way and and how that shaped you if you have Yes. I mean, I think, I mean, right now it would be wrong for me not to mention this. We are dealing with such adversity and that has been evident during. <laughs> We're on Sorry, lockdown. We There's just... a dog barking. It's yes. Cool. Yeah, there you go. And the door's <laughs> running. So we are, it's all definitely happening. So excuse it my dog <laughs> in the background, but no, let me, let me continue. So what has been evident during this pandemic is how communities have come together and the importance of humility and kindness And I think as a leader, it's not about casting blame through adversity and it's about working together to find a solution and learning from that situation. I've experienced it in the past where I haven't been in that sort of leadership position where, say, things have gone wrong and have spiralled out of control. And you sort of look to your leaders to to sort of lead by example and show that way. And And unfortunately, you know, I have experienced times when that hasn't happened. So people will always look at you when things, more so when things are going wrong, as to when things are going okay, and they will react off you. So I think part of this is, and it's an element of, you know, why things may have gone wrong in the past within different sectors it's not being afraid to speak up Mm -hmm. and and to think about I think in the past for me where I probably had had elements of not wanting to speak up it really had a negative impact on me because it felt like I wasn't being true to myself in the end I ended up suffering with anxiety and what I've learned is people will respect expressing the way you feel 
And at times of adversity, they really want to know how you are coping with things. So I think part of it is an element of being true to yourself, being true to your values and taking people with you along the way when things aren't necessarily going to plan. Yeah, and I guess it's about then being open to other people being authentic in that way too. So as a leader, being able to hold that space for a person as they start to tell you how they're feeling and having time for that. Yeah, exactly. Now, resilience is a a big thing at the moment. Obviously, we don't want to talk too much about the COVID situation, but we are all in the lockdown and, and part of what we need is definitely a resilient mindset. So you you talked about when things go wrong. When has something gone wrong or not gone your way? And and what have you learned from that? And what have you, how did you handle it? So I think for me, it's, I think a good example of that. And I think it comes down to maybe when something's not gone my way in the sense of something that I wasn't able to control. And, and and having to deal with that while still being able to be there for my family, for my team, for my colleagues, for the member firms, and finding a way to balance that. So I'm actually going to use a personal example, if that's okay, mm-hmm. rather than a business one, because I think it's important that, you know, sometimes the two, you know, the work and the home world will always cross. And it's how we can deal with that resilience that is important, because it does impact both sides. And I think, you know, for me, it's life does throw its challenges. And I, a very dear friend of mine actually passed away in in, in March is actually my best friend and I remember sort of back in November where we received the news that she really didn't have much longer to live they didn't think she would make it to Christmas and I remember thinking okay how do I deal with this sort of we got the news we had the sort of the ugly cry together and I'm thinking well do I go into the office you know do I just go back in and just pretend everything's sort of okay And I actually put this as a post on my LinkedIn because it was a way to express and maybe reach out to others. I didn't actually realise the impact that the post that I put on LinkedIn would have had. And what my post said was, sometimes life throws its challenges and late last night I received very sad news. An option would have been to stay at home today, but I decided to come into the office for the distraction more than anything. My team have been incredibly supportive today from their kind words to buy me herbal tea, a slice of cake, to the kind gesture of flowers, not forgetting the messages sent to me once they had left the office for the day. And one of the messages said, I know today wasn't your best, but I admire you and how you put your good foot forward and put your greatness to the test. You got through today and I know that was tough, but it just goes to show you're made of all the good stuff. Now, wow. That to me is, as a leader, we want to be strong and we always Mm. want to be okay. But sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Mm. It's okay to show vulnerability to your team. And sometimes it's actually okay to let your guard down. And I think that was me experiencing something so raw, so sort of sad, and it was very hurting. But actually the Mm. strength that I got and the resilience that it gave me, and I've learned from that, and I think... From that, I have hopefully reached out definitely to my team, but then to all these people. I mean, I had sort of over 13,000 views on LinkedIn, 140 likes, and I had so many messages saying, Ursula, thank you so much for sharing because, you know, and people sharing their personal stories. So I do think that's important. When we talk about resilience, sometimes you don't have to do it alone. 
sometimes actually the power and strength of others can get you through mm. the most testing times. That's an incredibly strong message and just goes to show that that vulnerability is so, so important. And I think vulnerability means different things to different people. Certainly when I talk to people, they'll express that they don't want to be vulnerable because it might be perceived as being weak. Mm. Um, so I'm always interested to understand what vulnerability means to people. And, and if I was to ask you that question, how would you articulate the meaning of it? I mean, I think it's about strength and power being vulnerable. I think it's very much about, yes, I can understand where people would see it as being weak, but part of it, and I know, you know, some people don't necessarily like this, but it's about being your true self. Mm -hmm. And at time we will be strong and at time we will be weak and at times we're happy and at times we're sad and at times we don't really know how to deal with a particular situation. But I don't think there's anything wrong with being vulnerable as long as you are able to sort of learn from it, understand it and and share it. And I think that's important. But I do think it comes down to being your true self. And if, if at times that means being vulnerable, then that's okay. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and you know, when you read Brené Brown's The Power of Vulnerability book, for me, that book was life changing Yeah. Um, in that she really does make it OK. And you've demonstrated the power of it through, you know, what you did. And I'm really, really sorry to hear that you've lost somebody so close and equally really pleased that there was so much good that has come from it already in terms of how you've connected with the people around you. Now, you mentioned that you have experienced anxiety before and, and you know, for some people, they will call it anxiety. For other people, they might call it stress. And what I'm interested in is whether you've experienced that in an earlier period of your life and and whether how you deal with it now is different to how you dealt with it then yes I mean for me sort of back in the day I what I would do is keep everything in and I think it was it's a bit like a volcano and then all of a sudden it would sort of erupt and it could be the smallest things or the biggest things but it you sort of push it all down push it in and think okay I'm fine I'm fine and you'd pretend, I suppose it is, it's pretending to the world that everything's okay. Mm. And you're always this person that, and especially when you're sort of a positive person that's sort of always happy, always sees sort of the bright things. And it, and it's sort of putting self-pressure on yourself. And I, as I said, learnt and I did go for some, I did get sort of some support at a time where I went to just find out why am I like this? Why am I the person that I am? And what sort of came back from that is I was very much a pleased person and I wanted to take on sort of everyone's issues and everyone's sort of problems. And actually having a session with you last August also helped me learn from the sort of person I am. And it does sort of stem from childhood and things that I had been through as a child. And the expectations I sort of had on myself. But what I sort of have learned as I've sort of grown, as I've grown within myself, grown as a leader, grown as a mother, grown as a wife, is that it's okay to just say how you feel and just mm. talk to people. And I have different people that I go to now in terms of, I suppose, my network of friends and of family that even if it's the smallest thing, 
I will talk about it and just say, well, this is how I feel. What do you think I should do? And just seek some advice. And at times people will give you the advice and you may think, well, thank you, but I'm going to do it this way. But I Mm -hmm. just find by being able to express myself and not keep things in actually makes me a better person. And it helps me make, I suppose, inform the decisions that I then choose to go on to do. Oh, you're amazing. I said at the beginning, you had that something special and you absolutely have. Now, I'm really, really keen to know more about the Barbara Speet Schools of Performing Arts, because that's a role that you've taken on relatively recently. And on top of everything else that you have to do, Ursula, (laughs) on a daily basis. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what made you get involved? Yes. So I've all I mean, I've always had a passion for the arts and I working in sort of financial services, it's nice to do something that's completely different to what you do. Now, in a, previously, I mean, this is probably when Kaifa was young, I was a governor of a primary Catholic school and I did that for a period of time and that was brilliant. But my sort of love for the arts is because I like creativity and I really thrive on sort of doing, I enjoy seeing and doing things that are a bit sort of outside of the box. And whilst we do have creativity to a point in financial services, there is nothing like walking into a school and all you can hear is sort of ballet going on at one side you can hear I mean it's like walking in I think it's like walking into sort of fame (laughs) and you've got tap going on and singing and you meet these children that are that just express and are so open I think to a point with their sort of emotions and feelings and I mean why did I do it because I wanted to give back number one I wanted to be able to take a school that has such an incredible history. Its owner opened the school when she was 16 years old. She retired from the school at the age of 92 last July. So this had been her dream. And we are now looking to sort of grow and take the school from strength to strength. And what I suppose the challenge that we have with the school, I mean, it's absolutely a fantastic school in West London. And it's about getting that sort of recognition and growth and seeing the children go I think from strength to strength and with your corporate background and that kind of commercial thinking as well you'll be able to really add value there I can see that and, yes, and there's yeah. lots of lots of children there and you've got your own children so I'm interested to know what you would say to your younger self and also then that that advice would be transferable to children today what would be that key bit of advice I think for me it's real, and I see this in sort of when I, I have mentors and the people that I ask to sort of mentor me are people that I look to and I think there's something special about you So I think it's the first thing is finding that special thing in you. What is sort of your USP? That when people think about you, what is the legacy that you will leave behind? And the one that I think for me, and it's really simple and I really apologize, but it's and it's something that I, you know, I try to live and do is treat others the way you would like to be treated or how you would want people to treat your children, your parents or your grandparents. It's about, you know, by being this way, you will then see you as a leader will want to, I suppose, 
copy what that leader is doing because that can only bring success. And I think for me, there are, and to be honest, in the last 12 months or 24 months, there have been incredible hard times in sort of my life, in my family's life. And many people are experiencing loss and sadness. And as we speak, there is a lot of sadness and loss. But I think for me, with the sadness, there is joy and there is positivity. We know that time is a great healer. And it is just about unity and being humble in what you do. Mm. And, and that respect for people. A- absolutely. It is the res- it's respect for others and respect for yourself. Yes, I love that. Now, we're coming towards the end. And as we come towards the end of the podcast, we have to play the five second game rule. And I know you've listened in already to the podcast, so you know what's coming. You have five seconds to give me three answers. So no pressure. I know you're going to smash this. (laughs) Um, So I'm going to ask you for in the five second game rule, three things that you can do to perk up your mood. Okay, drink lots of water. Take time out for yourself by doing, whether it be a form of exercise, walking the dogs, and also invest in yourself. Oh, I love it. And I did think you were going to say drink gin for a moment there. No, I was not going to I'm not actually a gin drinker, so no. <laughs> but just, hydration is very important. Hydration is H2O all the way. Yeah. And then let's have another one. Let's have in the five second game rule, give me three things that you are grateful for I'm grateful for my family I'm grateful for the work that we do in terms of working with my colleagues um, being part of such a great team and I'm grateful for I have to say I'm grateful for my husband who is such a rock and a support with everything that I do and that's and that is a real blessing just to have his support Oh, I love that. And at the moment when we are all experiencing lockdown, that focus on gratitude is so important for our mental health and our well-being. So it's nice to just reflect on those things. And so the final question, I have to say you have been an incredible guest. I knew you would be because, you know, you have empathy and care for people flooding out of you every time I meet you. So I just want to know the big question what is, in your view, the absolute secret to success? The secret to success for me is standing up and speaking up and feeling and being valued. I think it's so important that people stand up and be heard. And I also think that if we do that, it will make change and it will make positive change. And wherever you are, in whatever you're doing, whatever role that you're doing, your voice does count. So continue to speak because I've done it through the years and it does make a difference and it makes a difference for the future generation. So that's, you know, our children, our children, you know, that's what's coming through the pipeline. They are the leaders of the future. So let's lead by example and let's start to speak up. I love that. Know what you have to say will add value. Yes. Beautiful. Couldn't have said that better myself. Ursula, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for giving your time, especially at the moment, and for sharing all of your successes, all of your wisdom, all of your knowledge. Really appreciate it.
No, and thank you so much for doing what you're doing because you are too reaching out and making a difference to so many people. So thank you. Oh, thank you very much. Have yourself a lovely rest of the day and we will surely see you very soon, I hope, then we can have a proper cuddle. Agreed. I do hope that you enjoyed listening to the Mindset Mentor Meets podcast. If you did, be sure to check out the show notes to access all of those important links. For more about me, visit my website at www.angela-cox.co.uk. Now, I'd really love it if you could subscribe to our channel so that you never miss an episode. And do leave us a five-star review because it really helps us to get noticed. Bye for now. I do hope that you'll tune in next week and take good care.